All right. So, to complete this uh, morning of understanding what the family of God is all about, we're going to welcome someone who is part of the family of God, who has been around for maybe 20 years or so, on and off. She's visited with us. She's allowed us to join with her in ministry over in Belarus. She works with orphans and those who are poor in villages. She brings the gospel to them. She has a team of people who are working there. there. And recently, she has come here with her family. They're here in the front row, most of them. Um, But she's come here with her family. After she speaks, her husband's going to preach from the word of God. She'll interpret because he speaks Russian, but it'll be good for us. So let's, let's have Olga come up first and then she'll bring Yasha up afterwards. Good morning. It's so wonderful to be in the house of God. Amen. And today I have a privilege to speak and um, I'm concerned that I'm going to cry, but I'll try to do my best so that I won't. Um, so the ministry that I have started in 2001 called Spring of Revival, and it comes from Isaiah 58. And of course, many of you um, have known me over the years, and I want to thank Holden Chapel for being our supporter, for praying for us, for encouraging us, and even for sending a team over. So it's been a wonderful... It's. Basically, it's been all my life since I've graduated from university. I started the ministry, and uh, that's all I've been doing all my life. So in Isaiah um, 58, uh, God shares um, um, for us what is fast and how we should do it. So share the food, close the people, and that's basically how I started the ministry. uh, To meet basic needs of the people of Belarus. What is Belarus? Belarus, it's a small country in the Eastern Europe, and it has been going through a lot of things recently, especially as we came out of communism in the 90s and freedom came. That's when I first heard the gospel and many, many other people, and that's how churches started in the country. And for a little window break, maybe of 10 years, Uh, freedom was in the country. We were able to preach on the streets, share gospel, uh, give out brochures, tracts, as Wendy was saying. That was a big tool there as well. And um, But as the uh, government increased its power, freedom, uh, we lost our freedoms. And as you can see in the pictures, the several few years were very difficult for the country in general. Um, with the last elections, people did not like the president. They wanted freedom. And they went out on the streets, as you can see on the slide, and many people were arrested. Many of our friends, people from church, neighbors, had to go to prison just for being not agreeable to what the government says. As a church, meanwhile, we have suffered the loss of our building. It has happened several times in the last years when government would kick us out, but we would still, you know, protest and fast and pray and get it back. While in 2021, they came and forcefully kicked everybody out, gave us 15 minutes to take our belongings of the church and leave. 
If somebody would say, oh, you know, we're going to stay, we're going to pray, they immediately were threatened to be arrested. And since that time, all the church that we had was outside. And we call ourselves church without walls, uh, meaning that we do have freedom. We are not limited by the, by the walls of the building. And it gave us chance to speak and people could hear us from the neighborhood because our church is surrounded by big uh, flats, tall buildings. Although it's illegal to do that, God has been protecting us for over a year. We are still doing it. And coming here to Holden Chapel and being inside of the church, it's really strange for us because <laughs> in snow and rain, you know, all we knew was the, like uh, church outside. So we're getting back, used back to it. But um, as now with the more and more control from the government, uh, many people are threatened with the um, being arrested. So if you even think one of our ministry partners from the village, she's now in the hospital for three weeks. She has severe heart problems because the government is after to her. They find her unfaithful and they give a lot of pressure on her so that she is now, she's about my age, so she's now has to stay three weeks in the hospital. And on top of that, it's the war with Ukraine because we are bordering with Ukraine and uh, there is, uh, there are trainings for people, military and all the men and there is always every day a threat if, uh, if, um, military actions take place where we are. So please keep Belarus in prayer on those terms. Uh, but did I press something wrong? No. Uh, but let me share more about the ministry so you understand under what conditions we have to live and still, you know, encouraged to do the God's word. So when I first started the ministry, my idea was to help people with clothing, food, and meet their basic needs as shampoo, soap, etc. But as we went deeper into that and uh, meet their needs, and the Bible really tells us um, in the Proverbs, if whoever is generous to the poor... Uh, uh, lands to the Lord and he will repay him for his deeds. And really God has always taken good care of us because we are always in the fields and helping the poor people. Um, then my desire was to do more and um, my favorite Bible verse, and that was actually the verse at the camp when Holden Chapel came to Belarus, Romans 10, 9. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from death, death, you will be saved. So that was my next step in the ministry. Now as we meet everybody's needs, we need to bring them salvation. And that's what I've been uh, doing. And after they are saved and after they are baptized, then you need to teach them and disciple them and send them out. So basically, that is all what the ministry is about. So here you see a slide of the children in the orphanage where we start the ministry to meet them, to share about Christ and to tell them uh, all we know. And the next... 
Um, and the next slide is already older orphans who, when they get out of, at the orphanage at the age of 15, we take them in. We have family homes for boys and girls, and we teach them uh, how to become disciples of Christ. And then we send them out back to the orphanages and to the shelters to bring good news to the least ones because they understand it even more than us. They've been through all this themselves. So you see a picture of me and young um, uh, people at the parking lot of our church. And uh, so um, we continue working in the shelters and we meet many new orphans. And sometimes their stories are shocking. Recently we met one boy who was 12 years old, but he never went to school. He was uh, staying in the attic of his house. His mother was hiding him. And uh, when social services finally found him, he was taken to the shelter. And now he is like a first grade learning how to read. And, you know, in the, in today's world with all the modern technologies, you wouldn't think that that might happen, but it truly does happen in Belarus. And we teach them how to cook because food is essential and a lot of um, support goes to feeding people. So it's, we give them skills and, uh, you know, we do different things. I know in Holden Chapel you also do sports activities. That's very good. But we also, um, you know, encourage our young people uh, to do. Our ministry is always joined between orphan graduates and those who are in the orphanages. And here you see the foster families. Uh, once the kids are in the orphanage, uh, we try to find some families. Belarusian foreign adoption is not allowed. Who can take them out? to stay. It's very difficult because the government is very communist and they don't want children to be exposed to Christianity, but we do have several families who take kids in, and as they learn how to become Christians, then uh, they prepare concerts, Bible stories, and we take them out to different orphanages and shelters. So it's ministry two-in-one, serving orphans in the orphanages and training those who are out. And I love that because you can see how different they are after they come out of the institution. And we do different retreats and summer camps. Of course, it's very big and VBS. You know, it's again, we take this idea from America and then um, do it in Belarus and kids absolutely love it. And it's the best way to share the gospel when they're in with you, you know, for a period of time and... We have a village ministry, and that's very poor people. When we go into their houses, they have no running water, no electricity, no indoor plumbing, and even not a refrigerator. So as we bring food, we say, oh, you know, where can we put the products, you know, so that they can. And it's uh, usually it's a um, cloth and uh, and they take it away. There are a few shelves with a few pieces of bread, and that's it. And those are the families who have children, and the food is, there is lack of food there. So we bring food, we teach them Christ, and there is not, not a church in the area, so we are the only Christian influence that they have. The only Jesus that they know is what we teach them. Mostly in Belarus, they teach Orthodox religion, meaning icons and um, um, churches made of gold, but people don't really truly know God. Um, we have many different things in the ministry. Of course, you know, time is not so, but uh, I love, uh, 
giving them backpacks and school supplies so they can learn and they can have a different future. Yeah, and this is one of the uh, biggest, um, you know, aspects again when we bring clothing, food, um, supplies, whatever they need, whatever we can get mostly from Belarusian people. Sometimes we buy, sometimes we collect. It also encourages Belarusian people to uh, do uh, vol volunteer work, to give to, uh, because most Belarusians would think, oh, we are so poor, you know, we want it for us, but we teach, we bring a new message, we teach them to give back to people. And we do repair projects, especially with our young people. We teach them how to do repairs, and we help with repairs at different families. And one of our um, biggest, big, one of the big things we did is Alpha course when we had 12 weeks of teaching Bible to the orphan graduates. And we think it's uh, just changed their life completely because when they first came, they said, oh, you know, we are, we don't believe in God. And we think we are one said, oh, I think I am a Buddhist or, you know, I am, <laughs> I don't, uh, one was coming and saying, I want to see when these lessons are over so you all stop believing in, in God. Um, so I want to prove that there is no God. But as time goes on and you see the change in their lives, it's wonderful when they accept Jesus and so a few of our retreats. And um, I was the first person in Belarus who brought um, um, Night to Shine by Tim Tebow. Uh, I don't know, probably some of you have heard of this ministry. So when I heard about this um, event happening in America, I wanted it to be, to be done in Belarus. So I did everything. And for three years in a row, not only in my church we did it, but I also expanded it to a few other churches. And it's a wonderful ministry for special needs. And if Holden Chapel has not participated in Nine to Shine, but would like to, I think we can make it happen. It's really a wonderful ministry. That um, changed my life completely because in Belarus, uh, special needs people do not um, have the same equal opportunities. Like there are no ramps. We had one girl of 16 years old and she couldn't get out of her flat because she didn't have a ramp. And as we wanted to buy her a ramp, we needed permission from all the members of that um, uh, um, apartment buildings. And may many people would not even give their permission because they look at special needs as down, as, you know, you're not people. You know, why you need a ramp? Just stay home. And little things like ramp, you know, for $300 can change somebody's life. And as we started working with special needs, we go into their homes, we um, make special events for children and for grown-up and for their parents, and it expanded in a whole new branch of our ministry because they are very thankful and nobody wants them, nobody needs them. And as I finish up my presentation, one of another big programs that we do is sponsorship program. And people are desperate. As you look on the picture of me with a little boy and his mother. Um, I met him when he was a baby, and she is an orphan graduate whose husband died, and she doesn't have anyone. So now every his birthday we celebrate together. He's four years old now, and every year it's always a birthday party of her, of Irina, her son Maxim, and myself, because there is no one else that she has to have for the party. And another picture, you see a girl, her name, it's Oksana's family. And when we first came to her, we brought her food. And there was a can of condensed milk. 
She took it and she began jumping for joy when she saw a can of condensed milk. As we stepped into the house, uh, we fell because the floor was so rotten and we fell to the ground. So those are the conditions, and I can tell many, many more stories like that. Those are the conditions that people live in. And above there is a picture of the family. They didn't have a boiler to heat the house with for warm. And the kids were taken to the shelter. So by providing a boiler for them, the family got to be all together. And little things like that is our, day, our everyday ministry that continues in Belarus. And I'm making plans to go back like on the end of August, September to continue. So we want to not only to continue, but also to expand. And, you know, uh, I can continue much longer, but I think I will give the floor to my husband, uh, who is going to be preach and thank you so much for keeping Belarus in your prayers and please do because people are wonderful but every day they lose hope as the changes do not take place but maybe during that dark time God can use for his glory okay this is my husband Yaakov I greet you, dear brothers and sisters, and I'm very glad to be in this church. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for giving me this opportunity to preach, and I asked, what, what should I say, what do you want me to say? to the church, and he gave me a Bible verse that I'm going to read today. Uh, last, last time, uh, last Sunday, one girl here on the stage was offered $100 bill, and she didn't want to take it. And it's very um, dangerous to ask such questions, but I will ask you this dangerous question. I have two news, one good and one bad. Which one should I start with? Uh, in my practice, usually people say, oh, begin with bad news because then the good news will cover the bad news. But every Bible verse, um, sometimes we can think that this Bible verse is not good. But when we study, it turns to be good news because this God's word and God's word is alive and it's active and I will say it's alive so let's open our Bible and read from Acts Acts 4 Verse 32, we will start. 
All the believers were on one in heart and in mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to everyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levitite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it in the apostles' feet. It's a very interesting verse, isn't it? Especially for me. It's easy to say. Uh, it's easy to say for a person that doesn't have anything. Uh, many of you do have nice houses. Uh, you know, um, money, uh, a lot of things. And here I come here, who don't have anything, and I say, okay, let's get everything together. <laughs> So it's bad news. You can think about, like, oh, it's bad news. But again, it uh, depends on what side you look at it. How can we do that? How did they do it? Why did they do it? Why did they bring their possessions? Why did not they hold on to their belongings? Every morning as we get up, what do we do first? Uh, maybe we, um, you know, stretch our hands to pick up our phone. Maybe we, re we read the news. And we see a lot of evil everywhere in the world. If you look at news, uh, mostly you will get bad, evil news all over the world. And it may seem every day that the evil is ruling this world. Uh, it may seem to us that there are so many problems around. How to get rid out of all the problems? 
and we live with it, we live by it. And after you have read all the news, uh, we can have a bad day. Because we have seen how many problems are around. Because that's truly, that's truth. And sometimes we see, oh, there is no way out of those problems. How can we be um, like the people, like apostles were in the old times? How can we live a life not paying attention to all those problems? I'll tell you. Why uh, did uh, Christians, why did apostles bring everything as a sacrifice, all their possessions? Uh, I'm not uh, calling upon you so that you bring everything to church and somebody else will distribute your belongings. But I will tell you why that happened during that time. As I was thinking about it, I was praying and asking God, God, show me the Bible verse. Why? You know, and God told me, look one verse above. So let's look at Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place uh, where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the answer. Have you ever prayed the way that the place would be shaken? I would love to be in such a place that was shaken. I was in different uh, church meetings where people prayed very loudly that you could hear them outside of the building. But I was never in a place where the place would be shaken. I would love to be in such a place. So all the apostles were in God's presence all the time. And when God comes to this place, nothing can stand. Nothing. From the power of the Holy Spirit, a place can shake, can get shaken. 
That's why they didn't feel pity to give their possessions. Because it didn't cost anything. It wasn't so valuable. The value was to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That was the most precious. Because when, when the presence of the Holy uh, God, uh, Spirit uh, comes into your life, you become a different person. And God wants us to be in His presence. He wants us to be in His presence all the time. Even when we take communion, why do we take communion? Because God wants to live inside of us. He doesn't want to be at a distance with us. He doesn't want to be far away. He doesn't want to be in a different place. He wants to live inside of us. He wants to live in us and he wants to fill us up. And when he lives inside of us, we are going to be different people. We will be looking differently at all our possessions. We will be looking at Jesus Christ. And we will not pay so much attention to what we have. How can we reach? How can we get into God's presence? How can we hear his, Him? I tell you, it's very simple. You know what you need to do? Think about the great works of God. Think about Jesus Christ. When you wake up, don't look in your phone. <laughs> look out of the window and say, Jesus, I thank you. I'm alive. I thank you. I can see sun. I can breathe. How can I breathe? Because you gave me breath of life. Therefore, I can breathe. You are mighty. You are holy God. And then you go in the kitchen. You make a cup of coffee. And you say, Ah, Coffee is so good. You made it so well. I give you glory, dear God, because you are holy. You are eternal. You are powerful. You can do everything in this life. Then you get dressed and you say, God, You give uh, wisdom to somebody to make such beautiful clothes. And then you get in your car and you say, Jesus, I thank you. 
it's such a wonderful car I have. It's you. You. I see you. And as we begin to see God in front of you, you'll see how your life is going to be changed. Every day is going to be changes. Every minute. Every second. You will always have... Uh, you will always be in good spirits and you will always be filled with God. You will be like Him. Because when He created the world, He created man according to His image. He is mighty and wonderful and holy God. I'll tell you a few examples from my life. I wanted to be filled with God's presence. I was thinking about mighty works of God. I was thinking how wonderfully he made the world, how great and powerful the God is. I was uh, looking at every little detail and saw his glory and his mighty. And I was thinking about it all day long. And when I went to bed, I, I, I hear as somebody is coming in. And I understood that it was the presence of Jesus. You know, when you talk about Jesus, when you talk about his mighty works, he wants to listen to you. He wants to be next to you. He wants to be where you are. And I felt his presence so mighty that I cried for the half of the night. I couldn't say anything in his presence. I couldn't speak. Just like in God's presence, the uh, uh, meeting the, uh, was shaken when apostles prayed. So I experienced that presence of God. And some time went on. And I was doing my own things. So I'll tell you in between the story, I'll tell about my son. He is um, a student here in Gordon College in America. I cannot even understand how he's able to study here. Because the costs are so expensive. But I think my wife, she has more faith than me. 
it was difficult for us to pay for his uh, uh, studies, but we, uh, you know, made all the efforts. And, you know, we paid and he went to school. But something didn't happen the right way. They send us more uh, costs. You know, they send us extra, you know, money to pay. And I began to think, what shall I do? So I was, as I was working, I was cleaning the floor, you know, wood, woodwork. And I started to talk about mighty works of God. How great he is. How powerful he is. How wonderful he is. And how happy I am that I know Jesus Christ. And suddenly... I hear as somebody is uh, walking up the stairs. I raise my hand, my arm, my head. I didn't see anybody. But I felt the presence of God. I um, um, bowed down and I said, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And I couldn't speak anything else because the, God's presence was so powerful that I was just crying and crying. And last time when I experienced God's presence, I didn't ask for anything. This time, I said, Jesus, Uh, pour, pour out financial blessing on my, on my son. Help pay for the school. You see, we need to pay extra, you know, bill. You are um, almighty God and you are wonderful. Amen. And you know what happened? Five hours later, Uh, my beloved wife called me and she said somebody made a phone call to Gordon College and asked do you have a student from Eastern Europe? They didn't ask last name or they didn't mention Belarus. They just said, do you have a student from Eastern Europe? And they said, yes, we have one, Thomas Gonchirenko. And they said, we want to make a donation, want to pay for him. Uh, school, and the money was enough to pay for what we owed to school. So, dear friends, I want to tell you good news. 
Seek first Jesus Christ wherever you are. Yesterday, we were working at a farm. Five hours, you know, in the heat, uh, we were collecting kale uh, in bunches. And I thought, how many people harvest the kale? You have to pay everybody a salary. You have to pay for the transportation of the kale. You need to um, plant it. Take it to the market. Sell it. But it all comes out of one little seed. So, brothers and sisters, many of you, you like kale. <laughs> but for me, I first time see it here in America. And everybody is happy. Isn't it a miracle that out of little seed that Jesus Christ, that God made, and I take this bunch of kale and say, and here I see Jesus Christ. He's everywhere. Uh, in the field, at work, in the office, he's everywhere. Many people are looking for a church. We should uh, seek Jesus Christ. Find Jesus. And you, you will have a comfortable in any church. With Jesus Christ, you will overcome your problems. And you will have good spirits. And may God bless you all. Because he is always near us, everywhere, with us. May God bless you. Thank you both. Thank you, Yasha. Thank you, Olga. Thank you so much for blessing us with the ministry that we've been able to partner with, with you all these years, and also with God's word this morning, Yasha. Let's uh, pray together. God, we thank you so much for your presence in our lives. We thank you that it's through your Holy Spirit that you live within each one of us who put our faith in Christ. We thank you that it's, it's a small seed of faith that we plant, Lord, but that it continues to grow and to flourish as we continue to put our hearts and minds on you, as we think about your great and marvelous things, as we meditate on the things that you have already done, the miracles that have already taken place, and as we trust you to be almighty God in every situation, every problem that we come against, Lord, we thank you that you are bigger and you are greater. Thank you, Lord, for these two saints. Thank you for the way that you've used them to bless their fellow countrymen in Belarus. Thank you for the way that you continue to reach out to the poor and the orphans and those who need desperately to hear of your good news. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to do above and beyond what they could even ask or imagine. Lord, we just pray that you continue to 
walk in, that they would continue to walk in your ways and the plan that you have for them, Lord. Even though sometimes they're not sure exactly what that's going to look like, Lord, they trust in you. And thank you for their example. Help us also to trust in you with our whole hearts and to seek your kingdom first and to trust that you will take care of all the rest as we put our hearts and our minds on you. We praise you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to see the body of Christ at work in so many different ways this morning. We worship you and praise you. Amen. Amen.